Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for today's episode that is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And I mentioned this yesterday, but we are very fortunate enough to have a friend of the podcast, Nate Duncan, here. He has been a very busy man. We'll touch on that in just a second. But I really appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to say, I, I'm pretty jealous of, of you. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it, like, you went from 10 cases a day to 20 cases a day in Australia. And it's like a big scandal. I'm like, we would be, uh, we would be doing backflips if we could get to like 2000 cases a day. It's, it's insane. And I know, I mean, I tweeted this the other day and I can tell that some people were annoyed by this, as you know, social media has been pretty volatile lately, but I, I, I tweeted that we had 20 cases and, Pretty much the whole of Australia wants to cut my state off right now. They want to lock it down. They don't want to let anyone out of the house in my state. And as I said, yeah, we're not another 20 cases today, but it's been completely different. But for you, uh, obviously, you've still got the Dunked On Pod, the Hollinger and Duncan podcast we have on the network here. But you've also been doing this COVID daily news podcast, which if anyone isn't aware of this, it's basically a 30 to you know 40 minute daily news update because... Clearly, for people that are concerned about this, and, and I'm fully aware not everyone is, which is strange to me, but not everyone is, it, it's just an easy way to get the news, get the facts, because I, I know that I've found myself at times spending all day scrolling through Twitter and not really sure what's fact, what isn't fact. How have you found this? And how are you, how are you still awake? Let's just say that, because you have been putting in the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, we've moved down to four days a week recently, but it's... Uh, yeah, I, I realized that I was doing all of this research and that there wasn't really anyone in the media that I saw that was providing really a one-stop shop of here are the biggest developments, both in terms of the virus trends uh, on a worldwide basis uh, here in the U.S., the science uh, of uh, what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, what's going to get you infected, what's not going to get infected. So I follow a lot of great scientists and I just try to transmit uh, the things that, that they are providing and uh, just get that to people all in one place so you can kind of get your news within 30 minutes and then not have to just be all over the place trying to figure stuff out. Uh, me and uh, another NBA media guy, Ben Taylor, uh, we try to go through and do that for people. So this week in particular, I've mentioned it a couple of times through the week on this podcast, but it's going to be a pretty defining week for the NBA, it feels like, and the return in terms of obviously the transaction windows opening up. You're starting to see some players potentially put their hand up and not play. Obviously, Trevor Ariza and Davis Bertans, the two that uh, have done so to this point. But also, you're going to start to see teams report, which means the testing is going to occur. And already overnight, we've seen, obviously, Nikola Jokic. That's a little bit of a different situation. He was in uh, Europe, and he's trying to find a way back to the U.S. now. But uh, also reports that some other teams have multiple 
uh, positive tests. And it, it's really all just concerning to me when I see wording like, Playoff teams aren't too concerned because uh, they're going to they're going to be in for a long run. So if players test positive now, it should be fine down the line. It's it's all crazy to me that this is as things are starting to ramp up. You're really only going to start to get the truth in uh, as it pertains to NBA teams here in the next week or two. Yeah, and I think really you could say if there is if you are going to have people test positive, this is the time they are not really. I guess for lack of a better word under the jurisdiction of their teams. And we've yeah. seen, you know, Jokic, for example, there's a, photos of him in Serbia, just in a gym with his armor on people. Yes, and exactly. we've seen, we've seen other photos of guys just playing in open gyms with a bunch of people around. So uh, I think a lot of the people who are saying, well, Hey, you know, this is a terrible idea. They shouldn't do this. I would say that actually the risk to any individual player with all of these crazy strict testing and being in the bubble is actually lower than them doing whatever they've been doing outside of the bubble. I think we're seeing all of these positive tests is an indicator of that. The flip side of that, of course, is, well, hey, you know, if you get into this bubble, then you're creating close contact conditions where if people do have it, it could spread among the team. But what they're trying to do is fix it so that when they get to Orlando in the middle of July – Nobody is coming into that situation with a positive coronavirus test. Yeah, so that's an interesting point you make because I've thought about that a little bit myself. And, and regardless of whether you think that this is a bubble or the term that people throw around, a mesh hat, whatever you want to call it, the fact that uh, the conditions are going to be controlled more tightly than they would be in everyday life. And whereas NBA players right now outside or away from their teams, it's basically their own responsibility to be safe or not be safe. So you're, I guess it, it sounds like you're you are of the belief that if they go down there, this might actually be a, a, as safe a situation as it could be for them. Well, it's not as safe a situation as it possibly could be. And there, there's between health and safety, economics, and just how much it's going to suck to be there, right? You, you have those three different poles pulling in different directions. If you wanted to do health and safety, well, then you wouldn't have it, have it at all. Or you would have it so that all of the Disney people who are going to be in there, they're going to be able to go in and out of the bubble. They will be subject to some testing and temperature checks, but uh, they're not going to have close contact with the players. And that's, that's pretty good but it's not as good as if they were just in the bubble uh, themselves and not allowed to leave, but that would cost a lot more money. If in fact you even had uh, Disney team members who were willing to do that. And so for the players, you know, it would probably be better if this whole thing just started in Orlando and everyone was going into a bubble right now, but that's not really tenable, but they're already going to have to be there for a long time. They don't want to add another two weeks onto that. So now you have, this period where they're back in market, they're being monitored, they're being tested, but they're going home every day. And then, you know, their family members, obviously there's no monitoring of what they're doing either, although they're all encouraged to adhere to lockdown-like conditions. Who knows whether that is going to happen or not. So you have all, all of these different considerations. Um, you know, the money aspect, if it were, that's probably taking it from 16 teams to 22 teams, that increases the risk a little bit. So there's a, a balancing act certainly between safety, economics, and I guess for lack of a better term, convenience uh, with this. But I think given all of those, they've done a reasonably good job. There's a few things that I, I would have changed, but they may not have been possible to get everyone to buy in if they had gone in that direction. 
Okay, Nate, I'm just going to jump in and give a message from both myself and the network. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. And now for a reminder from our friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 plus years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box that they know we sent you. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box and they'll know you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. think that it would be hard to argue that the NBA hasn't looked at this closely when you look at the uh, the complex details of the PDF that came out last week. I mean, they've certainly put the time in. It's just one of those things that there is no guarantees. When you look at the situation in Florida right now, and I, I think it's worth pointing out, and Michelle Roberts, I think, uh, had some comments that uh, it's not like the players are flying through Orlando Airport and then uh, around the public before they head into the bubble. They're flying privately down there. The, the hope is that they'll be able to avoid a, a lot of people before they get into this bubble anyway. But do you think that there is a, a realistic scenario? And I guess the answer, the easier answer to this is, of course, everything's on the table. But the situation in Florida gets so bad that this doesn't even go ahead because we're already at the tipping point where I think Toronto are going down to Florida, if not down there already. Uh, things are really starting to move. But as I sort of mentioned earlier, now is when we're going to start to find out, well, what players already have tested positive? And if they have, then they can't clearly be around teammates. They can't be around the practice facility. And there's so much unknown in terms of recovery time when they're actually be able to join. So how can we be uh, sitting here and, and actually believe this is going to happen? Yeah, so, so you when you say up in the air, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely a chance that things... Uh, are not going to work out for any any number of reasons. Uh, but it, I mean, I don't know, as you sit there at observing this, what do you think the chances are they can complete this without having to just totally turn back and give up? Well, my well, my concern is, and I, I like just I mean, from just I, I'm trying to get an idea of like just what what the general conception is of this uh, among people. I mean, I I think that it's going to be really really difficult. I think they might be able to push through and get it finished, but will they be able to push through and get it finished without one team or a significant group of people having to quarantine? And then it comes down to how how seriously are they going to take the quarantine? If someone it tests positive, are they literally going to say, okay, you've had contact with these people, all these people are out in quarantine? I think we're going to find out how serious they are about those types of rules, and I think that's going to dictate whether they finish it or not. Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, it's really about, can you get into the bubble with no players or staffers having the coronavirus at that time? 
if you can get into the bubble, and there are some reasons I think they can, some reasons I think they can. But if you can get into the bubble without that, I think they're in pretty good shape. I think the one thing that is most being overblown to me is this issue, oh, cases are going way up in Florida, and in particular in Orange County, uh, which is the, the name of the county where Orlando is, the, where they're going to be. Um, I think that has really been way overblown because the whole idea of this is that this virus spreads by close contact. The, the indications are that fomite transmission, transmission from surfaces, is not nearly as important as people really thought at the beginning. I think that's kind of been a sticky assumption that among the public perception has not evolved as much uh, as the science has. And so I think a lot of people are worried like, okay, there's all these cases in Florida and then the cast member is going to be able to go in and out of the bubble. And so clearly they're going to give it to the players. But if they can avoid close contact with the cast members, which they should be able to do, I mean, it's really 15 minutes of close contact before you really start to get at risk. Uh, that aspect of it, I think, should be fine. It's not zero risk, but it's pretty low. And to put some numbers on that, uh, a guy named Yu Yang Gu is actually going to be on my podcast, the coronavirus podcast, in a couple of days, hopefully. Um, he does projections for, you know, based on, on how things are coming along on the number of people that are currently infected. And so as of right now, his projection is, you know, this is based on not only the testing, but then just historically how that's correlated with death rates. And, and you know, maybe you're missing some people in the testing, you're not testing enough. So it puts a number of factors in. His projection is that right now, right now in all of Orange County, there's about a thousand people who have the virus. and that over the next two months or so, the upper range of people that he projects to have the virus, is the upper range, not where his projection is, is that that could go up to maybe 3,000. So the upper range of people he thinks in this whole county have it is 1,000, and it could go up to 3,000 really over the course of the time that they are in Orange County. And so you do the math on that of just how many people are going to be you know, is it maybe 300 cast members who are going to be servicing these properties? Then you don't have any uh, transit between the properties among the ca the cast members. So your odds of, even if you, the cases are on the rise in Florida, your odds of one of those people being in there are pretty low. And then you throw in that they're not going to be having, hopefully, close contact with any of those cast members. And your odds of them, one of them infecting a player are pretty low. But what hasn't been talked about enough is the idea that a player is going to come in just due to the lag and symptoms and testing that uh, so you could show up there and a player will have it. You start having close contact with your teammates. That doesn't start until you get to Orlando and that they miss that player. And now it's, uh, it's being transmitted among a team and, and you got real problems. That might be more my concern. And, and the reason I, I sort of bring this up and I know we, briefly via email spoke about this the australian football player the other day that tested positive and now by the way the update to that uh, maybe they're thinking it was a false positive now so all sorts of scenarios yeah. are going around there but that that's a difficulty in itself because even if you have a false positive it, it can throw things into chaos for a few days in regards to the nba because it is yeah a daily sport but the, but the problem should, should we talk really briefly about just kind of how the testing works and like what how long it takes you to test positive that kind of stuff is it yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is really interesting in regards to uh, how do you control someone that unknowingly has the virus and can potentially be contagious for how many days before he may show a positive test? Yeah, so basically what the research has shown is, let's say you get infected on day zero 
day day one, day two, you're not going to have symptoms. And if you take a test on day one or day two, even though you are that's later going to make you infectious to others that, that you clearly are infected, the odds are basically zero that you're going to get a positive test result during that period. Then once you get to day three, day four, it starts to bump up. But even day four, you're really only about a 50% chance of catching this. And then typically day five, day six, that's when you have you know over a 50% chance of catching it. And that's usually when you start to develop symptoms, if in fact you are going to develop symptoms. So that's part of what's made this virus so difficult to deal with is generally people are infectious maybe you know around day three, day four, day five, and they're not getting symptoms until day four, day five, day six. Do so you have the average person, you have a day or two when you're perhaps even at your most infectious and you don't have symptoms yet. And similarly, you're just starting to get tested. So there is a time period where, you know, of a day or two where you could be infectious, where maybe the test is not going to get you, particularly if they're not testing every single person every single day, which I'm not sure that they're going to do. Now, that is a pretty small window where even if you miss people uh, how, you know, for a day or two, how many people can you really infect during that one or two day window? You know, that's a question. I mean, even, you know, w- with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, those are the only two people out of the 58 person Utah jazz yeah. traveling party that got infected. So that's a reason for optimism. So I think the hope is, yeah, if you have a positive test, you're getting it, you know, the guy's only been infectious for maybe one day. And so you hopefully you haven't had a situation where it's just been spreading for two weeks. Nobody knew about it. And you get the whole team infected. You can hopefully stop it at a player or two. Um, so there's that aspect of that's one of just the amount of time it takes. And then the other issue is the issue of false negatives or false positives. And it, it hopefully things have improved, but some tests are up to a 30% chance of a false negative rate. And so if you're only doing one test there, then maybe you're, uh, that now you're you're infectious for three days before they caught it because they don't test you again for another two days. So that could potentially be an issue. So all this is why it's so important to just make sure that when you go into the bubble, nobody has it. And I wish the time of being quarantined when they get to Orlando was just a little bit longer. That's only going to be probably about 48 hours. You still have to have two negative tests once you get there to sort of be cleared and you can start close contact with teammates. I'd feel better if that were you know, four days instead of two days. Uh, but uh, again, I think there's, you know, having to just only be in your hotel room for four days, maybe that was considered untenable. Um, so those are some of the issues that you have and where there is a kind of a way for it to sneak through there in the beginning, but also hopefully it couldn't cause that much damage over a day or two of infectiousness. That's the hope. All right, just a reminder about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They are tasty. It's the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. The bar is 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're also just healthy. They're great for the health conscious guy, loser, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. You guys know the deal. If you haven't cashed in already, do it now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. And after you do that, go ahead and jump into BubblesGalore.com 
It's the leading bobblehead retailer in the country. They have a vast inventory of bobbleheads from all major sports leagues, including the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. They're officially licensed by the NBA, MLB, and NFL. Right now, in limited quantities, they have the triple MVP Wisconsin bobblehead that showcases Giannis, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian Yalich. As well for the Bucks fans, you guys know, they have the limited piece, the Greek flag Giannis bobblehead. Bubbles Galore can make custom bobbleheads for any occasion or event. Just visit www.bubblesgalore.com. Use the promo code locked on to receive free shipping. Bubblesgalore.com. Use the promo code locked on. You get free shipping. One other question on this, and, and I didn't tell you up for this one, so uh, hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot. But in regards to those tests, again, in relation to this Australian football player, so test positive, just to give you a timeline, test positive, uh, low levels on Friday. Uh, so they bring him back in on a Saturday. The test comes up positive again, but they say low levels. Now, that's above my head. I don't know what that means. But then two two to three days later, he, he tested negative, which was yesterday here in Australia. So is it actually, have you seen evidence or has there been proof out there that you can actually only test positive maybe for a one or two day window? And outside of that, uh, you, you can test negative even if uh, you've, you've had the virus. Is that something that, that's been seen? So uh, there's a number of components to that. I mean, number one could be, I don't know how many times they tested him before this positive test. You know, maybe he was just at the end of the period where uh, he would be testing positive or where he'd be infectious. It seems like for most people that you're going from like, you know, maybe day four to day 11 or so. You know, I mean, again, that's every every person is different here. That's, That's part of the problem, but... Um, so, you know, maybe he's at the end of that range. You also have issues where you can get a positive test, even though you're no longer infectious. And I mean, we saw that in a lot of places, South Korea, there's a concern even that people were getting reinfected and no, it turns out that that's just because what the way these tests work is it's called a PCR test. So they look for basically molecules of RNA that are in the virus and then it reacts and with uh, the testing medium, and you can see, okay, like this molecule is present, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's viable virus, right? Like you could have basically cleared the virus, so your immune system beat it up, but you still have basically the detritus of the virus that's still in your body. So that's another thing that could cause a positive. I don't know with that specific guy, you know, how how much they've been testing beforehand where you could rule out that he wasn't just kind of more at the end uh, of his course of illness. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they, they have been testing on a regular basis. He tested f- four times negative prior to that. But it's interesting that you oh, yeah. talk about those cases in South Korea because this player... Yeah. And, and you could just have a false positive too. Like that could happen. Now, two false positives is a little little unlikely, but uh, j- just to clarify that. But yeah, you're saying, you're saying about South Korea? Uh, yeah. So just in relation to South Korea, it's interesting that you, you bring up that potentially uh, you could get a, a, a different result or a positive result because he was, he's Irish and he was in Ireland about a month ago, came back, quarantined, tested negative, 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 and then had this one irregularity or, or positive test. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it's not impossible that you could have, I mean, if your false positive rate is 5%, you know, it's not unbelievably impossible, but especially when you have a group of hundreds or thousands of people getting yeah. tested that you could get two false positives in a row. That's not impossible. So as far as the NBA is concerned, one thing that, that I think about and, and what they must be extremely concerned about is because we, we know the numbers. These guys are among the most uh, athletic guys 
in the world. They're in, a, in the age bracket that the numbers will tell you that they're probably not going to die. And that seems like a kind of scary thing to say, but that's, that's what the stats say. For the NBA, one hospitalization of a player, though, has to be a disaster, right? I mean, if that happens, regardless, you're going to have people say, well, you were playing basketball when you didn't need to play basketball. That has to be a concern, regardless of the fact that, as you pointed to, uh, maybe the same thing would happen even if they were just chilling at home and doing uh, whatever they wanted to do. If you go down to this bubble and something goes wrong, how does the NBA recover from that? Yeah, it is difficult. And some of that is PR. I mean, some of it is, you know, what is the relative risk yeah. of this versus anything else. I mean, you know, there's, you could have, I mean, there's been other infections, you know, like American football teams here will have like these MRSA outbreaks, for example, and like, you know, and they're still playing. So obviously the fact that this is so public and it should be, cause it's a global pandemic, you know, makes people more aware of these risks. And if you succumb to this type of a risk, as opposed to some other kind, it, it, it looks worse. Um, you know, I think a lot of it too depends on what the circumstances of it are. If this person gets it in the bubble, you know, two months after they've been there for a while, or it happens because someone just left the bubble, or it happens because, you know, oh, it turns out, hey, they only were testing once a week. That's all yeah. they did. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it depends on the circumstances of it. And, uh, you know, the hope obviously of a real negative outcome with the hospitalization or, God forbid, a death, those are pretty low based on the statistics. You know, you're probably, uh, even if if a player gets it, which hopefully they wouldn't, at least while in the bubble, you know, you're probably looking on the order of, you know, for a, a potential death rate, especially because, you know, the people with underlying conditions looks like they're probably not going to play and could even get ruled out. You know, maybe you're looking at, you know, a one out of a thousand, even if the person does get the virus there. So they're very low odds, higher than you would have under normal circumstances. But I think uh, this is something where these players, it's in a little bit of a different situation to me than, let's say, you know, if you work at a meatpacking plant and you're an immigrant or something here in the U.S. and you're not in an economic position to say, I don't want to go, I can't assume the risk. Yeah. These players, they're all, none of them, none of their families are going to starve if they decide not to do this. There is informed consent. In fact, even, you know, there are more things that the players could be doing that are optional, you know, like with the Ura ring, Aura ring, sorry, is, is how you say it. Um, so there are a lot of things they could be doing. There is informed consent here. I think, I think there, if, when you compare this to many, many other jobs and professions that have returned, you know, bars being open, restaurants being open, all the things that our society, for better or for worse, has decided are okay to do, what they are going to be doing with all of these restrictions in place and considering how healthy they are is, you know, there are millions and millions and millions of people taking much bigger risks than these players are going into this. And yes, there is the chance of a bad outcome, uh, but I think uh, people have decided that they're going to accept that. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm pretty happy with this, Pud. You, you're positive and that, that this is going to go ahead. I know I've always said that I think that they're pushing so far ahead, they put so much time into this that they're going to at least give it a shot. And I, I think yeah. the, the concern with that is that it turns into a disaster and you have to pull a pin after a few weeks or a month or you know maybe before it even starts. But I, I have always been of the feeling that they were going to at least go down there and, and give this thing a shot. But what, what about you? I mean, you've been spending so much time doing this uh, COVID podcast and, and talking to people, looking through the numbers. Are you looking forward to basketball? Is this, are you sitting back and saying, yeah, I need this to start? 
Well, I think, I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, would accuse me on Twitter of, well, yeah, of course you're in favor of them For sure, yeah. restarting. Of course you think there's a good plan. Now, I mean, Dr. Anthony Fauci and uh, Zach Binney, although he, he's a little bit more down on it lately with the, the cases rising in Florida, or uh, Angela Rasmussen, who's also been a, on my podcast, a, a virologist. She was on Sam Amick's podcast. She thought it was a pretty decent plan. Um, so it's not just me who's saying this. I'm I'm following <laughs> a lot of what the experts are saying and trying to apply what I've learned from experts uh, to this situation. So a lot of people say, yeah, like your living is dependent on this. You love basketball. You're fine to just let these players go there and die because you want to see basketball. No, that's not the case at all. And in fact, when in the first, you know, probably month or two of this pandemic, I was very pessimistic that they're going to be able to restart. I thought there were too many variables, but what really changed it for me is the evolving science on the fomite transmission. I mean, I'm sure it was this way in Australia too. It was all about when we first started, you know, no one was really talking about masks. It was more about, uh, you know, you got to wash your hands, don't touch your face, you can't touch yeah. surfaces. And, and those things are still important. But I think the science has shown that now if you get your, even if you get, say, your room cleaned by someone who's infected, and then you come back in four hours later, that your chances of getting infected as a result of that are pretty low at this point. And, and as long as you can avoid close contact, you don't have to worry as much about people going in and out. And they've also done a good job. They're not going to have families down there until the end of the playoffs as well. The families are going to be under restrictions as well. So they're able to get that part of it done, which I, I was worried about. So uh, as the science has evolved, that's why, and as the plan has evolved, I've become more optimistic for that reason, whereas before I was like, I don't know how the heck they're going to do this. Yeah, the so whole... I'm excited. I think it's, I think as long as they can get in there without too many positive tests, uh, you know, as long as they can make sure that when everyone arrives that they're negative, I think they can keep it that way. I think they got a good shot here, and so I, I'm going to try to watch the basketball and enjoy it. Uh, while of course keeping my eye on the health stuff as well. So just as we wrap it up, I, I know this is this is almost the impossible question to ask because we don't know what's going to happen. There's so many variables. But when you look at the teams that are coming back, I, I see a lot of people out there that, and, and maybe it's just because of the situation. Maybe it is because of home court. People are, are, are wanting to pick an, an outsider that can maybe sneak in and do something. For me, I still look at it and I still see the best teams and they, they played 60-plus games. I don't see the pecking order changing too much. I don't know how much you've actually thought about this basketball with everything else going on. But do you, do you feel the same way? Because to me, it seems strange now to go down to Disney and expect that a, a team like maybe the Sixers, for instance, that, that had so many struggles during the year, are all, all of a sudden going to figure it out and click over three months in a bubble. Yeah, the Sixers are the one where I think it's, it's realistic. Um, but I think for a lot, you know, my buddy Ethan Strauss has said, hey, you know, I'd be on board with a lot of underdogs. And I think that generally... The format to me is going to actually favor the favorites more now for a number yeah. of reasons. Number one, I think, you know, when we were seeing it with Bertans, Trevor Ariza, uh, there's some sons who tested positive. You know, we'll see how many of uh, uh, Kelly Oubre is not going to play, even though maybe he, he arguably could be healthy. Uh, so I think the teams that just don't have as much of a chance, they're just going to see not as much participation or their hearts aren't going to be in it as much or they'll be kind of wanting to get out of there. And then when you consider what happens if you go down 2-0 and you don't, as the road team, you don't have those two home games to kind of rally around the flag. 
and get in front of your home crowd and say, hey, we haven't lost a home game yet. Um, so I think, you know, 2-0 is now, I think, going to be uh, essentially you're done. Uh, whereas you might have had a little bit of a chance, if not to win the series, at least to extend it out a little bit more. Now, if the underdog can actually get to a game seven, then maybe uh, that flips because there is that home court advantage in the game seven. But unless you get to a game seven, I think things really favor some of the favorites. The Sixers, I would say, maybe are a little bit different because, number one, Ben Simmons is healthy and he wasn't at the end of the year. Um, And they just, you know, I think it was clear that they have a ton of talent and it just wasn't quite meshing together. You know, I don't think, I think of them more as an underachiever than an underdog. And so if they, maybe there's, and also Al Horford, I think was really disappointing. He wasn't playing well in part due to some wear and tear injuries. A lot of people would say, so that's the one team, the Sixers that I think could really punch above what they were doing before. I would, I don't expect as big of a change um, with some of these other teams, you know, again, until we find injuries, uh, infections could change that but right now i i don't think that it's going to be this underdog fest that a lot of people are predicting well uh the, the good thing is and the exciting thing is that actually over the last week we've been able to talk a little basketball and i, I looked back because i was trying to remember when i had you on last time and this was just before the bucks lakers game you know yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't uh too uh, far before the whole thing came down and we were talking about potential Lakers, Bucks finals, Giannis, LeBron MVP, then Giannis went down with a knee and then the season went down. But it feels like a long, long, long time ago. But uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on because I know you are flat out right now. No, it was good, man. Uh, enjoy your uh, relatively coronavirus-free <laughs> paradise down there. <laughs> we're trying unfortunately the only downside the only downside and i really cannot complain is that uh it's winter it's winter right now so i'm seeing all my friends over in milwaukee you know masks on but they're at least getting some sun uh during the day which is uh maybe you guys need a positive though come on i, I can't be complaining <laughs> yeah really i mean if this thing's around still in the winter especially in uh northern climes yeah, that's what yeah. i think it's really gonna get get hard for people because as we know it trends with so much better uh, indoors but yeah thanks for having me on this is fun to talk about this stuff so of course you guys know where you can follow nate duncan on twitter subscribe to the dunked on podcast hollinger and duncan podcast on this network i have to plug that one that's a it's it's a really fun show uh john hollinger has been getting all all the rave reviews for the delete eight uh term that he coined over the last <laughs> few weeks but make sure you listen to those guys it's a great podcast Uh, For everyone else, Frank will be back tomorrow. So we'll be back to the normal scheduling. We thank everyone for listening and we'll catch you guys tomorrow.